Cue the fancy intro music. This is Creative Freedom, empowerment for creative entrepreneurs, where can-do inspiration and how-to education collide to help you own your dreams without selling your soul. Creative Freedom gives you the tips, tools, and resources you need to define and achieve success on your own terms, so you can make great money doing what you love and have the time and freedom to enjoy it. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Lisa Robin Young. Let's get started. In today's dose of empowerment for creative entrepreneurs, we're getting tactical and practical. And by that, I mean we're looking at your planning for your business. Now, I don't mean business plans, which I believe are mostly useless for creative entrepreneurs who aren't looking for external funding. There's a much simpler and easier way to do them, which we will talk about in a future episode. No, instead, today I'm talking about strategic planning and goal setting for your business. And I know, I know, it's March. (laughs) And I hear you saying, Lisa, why are we talking about goal setting and planning now when the year has already started? Well, it's because if you're like some creatives I know, you're still in recovery from 2020, which was a hell of a ride in more ways than one. (laughs) And here at Creative HQ, we had a lot of good things happen, but we were also hit with some harsh realities. We had a 30% drop in revenue partway through the year, and that forced us into recovery mode. And honestly, the small business funding that we got from the government made a big difference in what we were able to do last year. But we still had work to do to right the ship so that we didn't continue on a 30% (laughs) revenue decline. Now, by the end of 2020, I had some rough ideas of what we wanted to do this year, but a lot of it depended on what our first quarter recovery numbers looked like. So I'm just now, here in March, in a position to have more clarity about what's really possible for us this year, even though, quote unquote, this year has actually already started. My youngest went back to in-school classes in mid-January. So maybe your kids are finally going back to school and you're getting some of your time back. Or maybe you're finally buckled in for this year and you realize that the first quarter is almost over and the lofty aspirations that you started the year with ain't gonna cut it based on your current reality. Whatever 2020 threw at you, or the first part of 2021, it's probably exposed parts of your business that need fixing this year. And maybe, just maybe, (laughs) you haven't quite figured that out yet. I know a lot of people who are in that boat. I've had all those experiences before. So I get it. I understand. And I also know that 2021 isn't the great reset that we all hoped it would be, at least not yet. So what can we do? Well, it's time to be ruthlessly honest with yourself about what's really going to happen in your life and in your work this year. That means taking a hard look at what you had planned, if you made any plans yet, and make some decisions about what you really want in the next 12 months. And I, I say really want, and that's not superfluous. I mean, what do you really, really want in the next 12 months? What are you willing to work towards, to sacrifice for, or to stay focused on come what may in this next year? Now, according to an article on Forbes.com, 80% of those lofty resolutions get dumped by the side of the road by this time of year. And one of the primary reasons we bail on our goals and resolutions is because we weren't really being true to ourselves in the first place. 
Instead of trusting ourselves, we were sucked into the peer pressure that comes with New Year's resolutions. We set goals that we saw other people setting. We aimed for their targets and goals instead of our own. Oh, and uh, New Year's Day was a Friday this year, which is a whole other story. I mean, how many times have you ever started something new on a weekend? That is the worst time to be trying something new, in my book anyways. And for me, my birthday is just a few days after that, so I'm not starting anything until after my birthday party weekend. Thank you very much. Some gluten-free cakes and dairy-free ice cream. It is a lot better than it sounds, I promise. But I will have that, and then I'll be like, all right, let's start this new year. (laughs) So no, I don't start my new year until after the new year has already started anyways. And since March is the end of the first quarter, it makes sense to talk about planning, course correction. Because even if you've already done your annual planning, you can jump into your quarterly planning to get yourself back on track for the rest of the year. You need to course correct on those annual plans, right? Right? You, you do course correct on your annual plans, yeah? Because if you're not, <laughs> then you probably need this episode even more. So whether you're ready to jump in and start your planning today, or you want to lay the groundwork for when you're actually ready to start, we got you covered today. I'm sharing the tips that will help you any time of year. No need to wait until 2022 to get started. And the upside You can head into your next 12 months, whenever they start, with a solid growth plan that includes ways to navigate the unexpected. Because let's be clear, it's not a question of if the unexpected will happen, it's a question of when. And making a plan that gives you at least a little bit of cushion will go a long way toward more peace of mind in the coming year, whenever that year starts for you. And if you are ready to start, then log into Dreamblazing inside the Rising Tide Learning Library. It's free. And it's the same planning tool my clients and I have used for over 10 years now. If you're not a member, it's free. Pop over to creativefreedomshow.com, click the Rising Tide link, and get your free account today so that you can access those tools. All right, so here's tip number one. Plan early and often. Now that might sound wonky since it's March already, but hear me out on this. The plans you make today aren't usually for today. They're for the future. Unless you're linear creative, planning probably isn't on your list of favorite things to do. Now linears will make spreadsheets for their leftovers. So planning is built into their wiring and fusions can go into a fit of over planning if they're feeling their perfectionist vibes kicking in. But on the whole, Most creative entrepreneurs tend to be reactive rather than proactive planners. When you're small but mighty, you're usually still agile enough to react to the daily ups and downs of a business. A new client wants to hire you? Great. A new program pops up on your radar that's a perfect fit for that knowledge gap that you have? Cool. Let's see how to budget for that. The cycles of business are usually easy to navigate. That is until something totally unexpected happens, like, mm, say, a global pandemic that shuts everything down for a year? Yeah. 2020 exposed one of the biggest problems that comes from reactive planning. You have no cushion. And while it's true that many of us had to shift into a reactive mode in one way or another, those of us who already had emergency or contingency plans for our businesses were often not as hard hit as those entrepreneurs who always shoot from the hip. Now, chaotics, hear me out on this. 
I'm not saying you can't trust your instincts or go with the flow. Those are some of your greatest gifts and they're important to how you're wired for business. They actually help you when you need to be reactive in certain situations. But there's a difference between needing to be reactive occasionally and constantly operating from a place of reactivity. That just adds to the feeling of being on the hamster wheel. Another crisis? Oh no, let me start running and figuring things out. Let me say this another way, but please don't try this at home. (laughs) Imagine driving a car with your focus on the windshield wipers. I mean, you're looking forward, right? You can technically see the road and the oncoming traffic, right? Well, yeah, that's technically true, but it's also a wild way to try and navigate the world. I don't know about you, but my driver's training instructor taught me to focus my eyes 12 to 15 seconds down the road, which is about a quarter of a mile on the highway or a couple of blocks on city streets. Being able to see farther down the road helps you be a better driver. It helps you to respond rather than react and generally keeps you and your vehicle out of sudden danger. So why wouldn't you do the same in your business planning and your goal setting? No, you can't plan for every eventuality, but the fact that you've done any planning at all will set you up for success way better than flying by the seat of your pants all year. Like President Eisenhower said, plans are useless, but planning is everything. Wait, what, Lisa? If plans are useless, why make them at all? (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. Okay. You've probably heard this before. And linears may try to tune me out here, but this is good reinforcement. So let me break it down for you. The act of creating a plan gives you a place to start and a set of guardrails. If we're going to continue this driving analogy, it helps you stay in your lane and it keeps you on the road to the destination that you want to reach. The plan is the map, which is useless while you're driving, but very important to help you check your progress, chart your course, and keep moving in the best possible direction. So plan early and often means checking in at least once each quarter to measure if you're still heading in the right direction. Because roadblocks and detours spring up all the time. If you keep driving on your original route with no regards to the hazards ahead, you're asking for trouble. Check your progress against your milestones each quarter. That way you'll be able to correct your course if things are not moving like you planned. Heck, maybe a new route popped up since you started this journey and it makes sense to move in a different direction in order to get there faster. Or maybe a pandemic hits and your responsibilities shift, and you have to take things slower. You can't pretend that everything is fine when it's not. That doesn't work for the long haul. A plan also helps you look objectively at your progress, or lack thereof, and drop the judgment. You can say, hey, I thought I was going to be on track to make my income goal this month, but we hit a snag that derailed our product launch and we had to push everything out a month. And yeah, that's disappointing, but that's reality, right? So face reality instead of judging it. So you can look for that income next month instead of beating yourself up for not hitting the goal or saying, screw it, I didn't want to hit six figures anyways, I quit. Neither of those responses is healthy or useful. And they certainly won't move you any closer to your goal. When you drop the judgment, You can get ruthlessly honest about what needs to change, whether that's your approach to achieving the goal or the goal itself. 
Remember, your goal isn't always the goal. And being flexible, agile, and adaptable makes goal achievement way less stressful in the long run. And be careful to make sure you actually get the plan created before you jump into implementation. Unless you really don't care where you end up, in which case, you know, fine, (laughs) have at it. But you're going to need a plan. And that doesn't mean you have to have every little detail worked out. But you should at least have an idea of what your milestones are along the way to your destination. And I know, especially for you chaotics, this can feel like such a drudge. Or you might be really anxious to get started. But you need the clarity of what lies ahead on the road before you start driving. I mean, if you really don't care, or you're totally willing to be spontaneous and see what shows up, then have at it. Put on a blindfold, get in your car, and see where it takes you. And if you do that, you don't have the right to moan and groan when you end up going off a cliff or into a deep ravine because you didn't care where you ended up in the first place, right? Congratulations. Success is a destination and you are already there, my friend, in the ditch. (laughs) Sorry, not sorry if that sounds a little snarky. I'm kind of on one today. Too many creative entrepreneurs are flying by the seat of their pants because they won't take a few hours every three months to evaluate their progress and plan for the future. Can you tell them a little worked up about this? A little bit of planning can make a big difference in where you end up. And it doesn't have to be complicated, but you do need some kind of plan to guide your year if you want to make any real or lasting progress. And I say that in love because I know it can be challenging. I know it can be frustrating and it's still very important. Muy importante. So tip number two is to plan with a SWOT. And that's S-W-O-T, not S-W-A-T. I feel like I should have some clever remark here, but I got nothing today. (laughs) If nothing else, 2020 gave you all kinds of clarity on what's really important to you and how you want to be investing your time, energy, and money on a daily basis. Even if you're not there yet, you got clarity or at least more clarity on what you want. Maybe you ended up with a lot of extra time on your hands. Or maybe you ended up running yourself ragged because everybody was at home and you had leaky boundaries. Either way, you've got a newfound level of clarity about how you want your life and work to be. And it's also helped highlight the things that you excel at and the things that, well, may need some work. Thanks, 2020. (laughs) So enter the SWOT analysis. If you've got a corporate background, this one's probably familiar to you, but if not, SWOT, S-W-O-T, is an acronym that breaks down the potential areas of improvement for your business. A SWOT analysis is like those screaming yellow signposts on the road that say falling rock or deer crossing. They let you know of potential hazards before you're caught in them. So how does the road commission know where to put those signs? Well, generally it's because someone else had a rock fall on them (laughs) or they hit a deer there. I remember when I was a kid, my ma told me that you could tell how dangerous an intersection was in my hometown by the degree of intensity of the signage. No sign, a stop sign, a four-way stop sign, a blinking light, a full-on stoplight, a stoplight with a protected left turn. It got incrementally more complicated as the accident rose at that intersection. So your SWOT analysis lets you look at the intersections in your business and see where you might have a traffic jam or accident waiting to happen so that you can be more proactive and less reactive. The S stands for strengths. 
What do you do well? Are there ways that you can be even better at doing those things? W is any weaknesses. What do you know are the areas that you could be improving? One of the things that I struggle with in my business has been consistency with our marketing. It's been up and down. It's one of the reasons why our show was only for a few weeks out of the year up until this year, because I didn't have the capacity and I knew that was a weakness in my business. It was something that I needed to work on. Oh, what are your opportunities for highlighting your strengths or improving the weaknesses? So for us, one of the things that we did was I got some help working on the show outlines so that I didn't have to try and manage all of that myself and juggle all my clients and do all the other things in my business. That was an opportunity for growth for me. And T, threats, threats that could harm or threaten your business, like a global pandemic or things that your competitors are doing that you can't do at the moment or that aren't in alignment with your business model or your values, okay? Those things can still be threatening to your business, even if they're not things that you want to be doing, but you have to be aware that they're on the landscape. Every business has strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats. You can't always see them, but they are there. You can't always do anything about them either, but if you aren't aware of them, that's when you get caught off guard and suffer the consequences. That's when accidents happen. Accidents that could have been avoided. Tip number three, is to set flexible goals for growth. I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but (laughs) studies have shown that smart goals don't work. And I'll post links on the blog and in the transcript for the episode to back it up. Incidentally, if you're listening to the podcast and didn't know we had transcripts, you need to join us inside the Rising Tide Learning Library. All the bonus materials for every show are in there, including the transcripts and links to the music video parodies that we're doing for each of the episodes this year. Like all the goodies are inside that area. So if you've been building plans that are specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound, S-M-A-R-T, then you may have come to the same conclusion that these researchers did, that this ain't working for you, okay? And that's because the concept of SMART goals wasn't designed for humans, I mean, humans execute on it, but this was designed for the corporate machine where many people are working on a singular outcome. You've got a team of people moving towards this smart goal. When you've got lots of people working like cogs in a wheel, you can easily pull out one piece and drop in a new one and keep working towards your deadline. That's not how creative entrepreneurs operate. We're usually an army of one or maybe a few VAs. So it's not realistic to expect that you can always hit every deadline without fail. (laughs) I know I sure haven't. So instead, I talk about dumb goals. Doable, understandable, meaningful, and believable. I rarely even make time a requirement for the goal because that often puts unnecessary pressure on you to hit some arbitrary number when what you really want is to hit the goal regardless of how long it takes. So setting dumb goals makes it so that your goals are more flexible and easier to stick to when life throws you a snowball. And I think we all saw a full-on blizzard of snowballs last year. (laughs) So let's continue using our driving analogy as an example here. Let's say you're driving down the road towards your destination and all of a sudden a fog rolls in and it's so thick you lose visibility. Are you going to stick to your guns and stick to your original arrival time? I mean, it's time bound. We got to be at grandma's by 4.30. No, 
No, no, no, wrong, wrong, wrong. You're going to naturally need to slow down and adjust your plans. Or you're going to end up in a ditch or ramming into somebody. Now, that doesn't mean you can't get to your destination anymore. It's still very doable, but you're going to need more time to get there to make it feel more doable and believable that you'll actually arrive in one place. Otherwise, you're going to white knuckle it all the way to grandma's house. And then let's say you're driving through Texas and a freak snowstorm makes the roads impossible to navigate. So now you got to decide, do you still want to get to this destination? Is this still important to you? Is it still meaningful for you? Or is something else more important? And there's no wrong answer here. Well, okay, that's not accurate. The only wrong answer is doing what's wrong for you. What's the doable, understandable, meaningful, and believable path that you can take to where you want to go? That's the direction you need to be moving. Now, we've all seen those yahoos on the road who blow past you saying, screw it, I got four-wheel drive, I'm invincible. And then, you know, two miles down the road, you pass them in the ditch. Don't be that guy. Dumb goals help you stay flexible and helps you see different scenarios that can still get you as close as possible to your real goals on your timeline, even if it means slowing down, changing course, or dealing with hazards and inconsiderate drivers on the way. Number four, plan your content too. Doesn't matter what type of content you create, whether it's your actual body of work or marketing materials and social posts, a content plan gives your business organic visibility on a consistent basis. If you've made a plan in the first place, that is. Otherwise, you end up like a lot of folks I know, posting willy-nilly at the last minute because they just realized they haven't posted anything in weeks. So, hey, here's a picture of my breakfast. And by a lot of folks I know, I mean me. (laughs) I've done that. I've flown without a content plan. And it's a painful place to be. It's driving with your focus on your hood ornament, not on the road. You can't just build it and trust that people will come. That's never worked. And I have a whole rant about this on my blog because the actual quote from Field of Dreams isn't if you build it, they will come. It's if you build it, he will come. And I don't know anybody who can rely on just one person to keep their business healthy. And yes, I'm talking about you as a business owner, as well as potential buyers and clients. One person does not a business make, period, end of discussion. All right. Okay. So I digress. The point being, you have to market your content. You have to share what you're working on so that people even know it exists. Content marketing can also be a huge time suck if you let it. So it's important to create a plan that works for you that also reaches your right audience. And that means being selective about your platforms, the types of content that you're going to share and a frequency that works for you. Repeat after me. I am not Gary V. I am not Gary V. I can't be everywhere like he can be. I have limited amount of spoons. I have to focus on what's going to serve me. Okay. You are not (laughs) Gary V. There was a time when Creative Freedom was a weekly show for only part of the year. I talked about that earlier. This season, we're experimenting with a longer time between episodes and we're aiming for a full year of content. That's my goal. It's only episode four, but so far it feels like it's working. Um, Not only is it easier for me to produce, we're getting more engagement, more feedback, and more connection from our audience. That's you. Hi. (laughs) And that's that's what's important to me. That's what's important to, to all of us here at Creative Frame HQ. I've never wanted to create in a vacuum. 
I want people to see my work, to think about it and engage with it, to, to share it, to talk with me about it. I mean, yeah, there's a little bit of, I made this, look at me, but it's also about like, let's have a conversation, right? I love hearing from my audience, even if you don't like what I'm doing. And I've had a few people <laughs> tell me that too, but I love hearing from you, honestly. So when we weren't getting a lot of feedback, it was disheartening for me. This season, we have higher open rates, more engagement. So something tells me that we're on the right track, at least for now, anyway. And if this feels overwhelming to you, I completely get it. I've been there. Trying to figure out how to develop a content plan and a marketing strategy that's sustainable takes a little bit of practice. There's some trial and error involved. You can't just plug in somebody else's blueprint and I post three times a day on Instagram at these times and this works for me. Like that may not work for you. You've got to try some things, right? And I know that it can be overwhelming, but it's so important. We're dedicating an entire episode to it this season. And that's next episode of Sustainable Marketing Strategy. Okay, so tip number five, budget for help. Ah, the money stuff. As Fusion Creative, I know how easy it is to fall into the trap of doing everything yourself, okay? Sometimes it feels like it's just faster if you just do it yourself. And especially if you're a fusion, it may actually be faster. But that then leaves you stuck doing all the things. And that ain't cool. Doing all the things leaves you on the hamster wheel. You never get a break. You never have time for yourself to just be, to explore things outside of work, to try new things and be creative and just have fun. What a concept. That hamster wheel life is too stressful. Not that I speak from experience or anything. And that was my life for years and years and years. It was like I was either hanging out with my sweetheart or I was working. Working, working, working. Not cool. So I say, release your Vulcan death grip of control and let people help you. And that doesn't mean letting go of everything. It means holding things loosely so that you can pick them back up if you need to, but also trusting your team, your support system to handle things so that you don't always have to be the one doing it. And I learned the hard way that success happens faster and easier in the company of great people. So look at what's going on in your business or your life for that matter. Look at your strengths and your areas of improvement. You did do that SWOT assessment, right? right? <laughs> Look at that thing, right? There are things that come naturally to you, things that you love to do. You don't have to let go of anything that you love. You also don't have to let go of anything you hate, but it'll probably create more peace of mind for you if you can find someone you trust to pick up one or two things to give you some breathing room. One woman I know hired a babysitter for her newborn a couple hours a day because that was all she could afford. And the first week, she just napped for those two hours. And she felt guilty for a hot second, but then she realized how her naps were getting shorter each week. And when she woke up, she still had a little time to get something done. And then a couple of things done. And finally, she wasn't napping anymore and she was able to get some momentum in her business. Now she's got a full practice. That's the epitome of do what you can as you are able. Sometimes you've got to care for yourself before you can care for your business. Doing things in a way that works for you looks different for everyone. And you've got to learn to be okay with that if you're going to have what you truly want. Instead of falling prey to what everybody else wants, you need to stay true to you. Once you can see what you're good at and where you need help, do some research. How much money would you need to invest in a coach or a housekeeper or a babysitter or a virtual assistant? 
And you may not be able to jump in right away and hire a whole team of people. But know the ballpark that you're playing in and start saving for those things. Create a line item in your budget for hiring help. You can start small with a one-off project and go from there. Heck, even asking your friends to help can make a difference. We all only have so many spoons to go around. And about 40% of my clients are dealing with chronic illnesses or disabilities that leave them with even fewer spoons than my able-bodied clients. And that means you just don't have the capacity to do all the things, even if you're good at them. You have to be judicious. Budgeting for help gives you a chance to increase your capacity because once the workload's off your shoulders, you'll free up your time for rest or whatever and have more purposeful time for your work. You know, doing what you want to do (laughs) instead of the have to gotta stuff that drains your soul. And here's the other blessing in disguise. There's somebody out there just waiting for the chance to do that work for you. What? You mean there's someone out there who actually enjoys doing all the stuff I hate? I know, it boggles the mind, right? But it's true. Linears, there are plenty of chaotics out there who love all that touchy-feely experiential stuff and can help humanize your company. Chaotics, there are linears out there who will make a spreadsheet for your leftovers if you let them. Don't laugh. I know a guy. Infusions, just because you're good at a lot of things doesn't mean there isn't someone else out there that's better at it or enjoys it more, who's happy to take it off your plate and still do it your way. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Create a budget for help and free yourself to focus on what really matters to you. As I mentioned before, this year I hired a copywriter to help me outline all the episodes for the season. I've never done that before. I thought I had to do everything myself because it was my show. Nobody else could do it like I do it. Wah, wah, wah. But Jackie's help gave me space to create the music for the episodes, something that I would have been too busy to do otherwise, and to really show up for myself in each of the episodes and really prepare well for each episode, something I would have been too busy to do. And it's made a huge improvement in the quality of the show. At least I think so, and I hope you do too. It's certainly been a lot more fun for me this season. And I think the engagement tends to speak to that. So give yourself the time and space to plan, do, evaluate, and celebrate. Know your strengths and lean into them. Now be flexible because life happens. And don't forget about your content when you're planning. Invest in help as you're able, even if it's only a little at a time, so that you can keep driving down your road to success. Your mission, should you choose to accept it, is to take a look at the plans you've already made or start fresh and build a roadmap for your next 12 months. If you need help, the Creative Freedom Incubator is open for enrollment. You'll find all the support you need to not only make your 12-month plan, but encouragement to help you execute it and course correct when things go off the rails. Our next quarterly planning session is coming up at the end of the month, and we'd love to have you join us. You can learn more about it inside the Rising Tide member area at creativefreedomshow.com. Thank you for helping us make a bigger impact in the world. We appreciate our sponsors and our patrons and every like, share, tweet, follow, review, (laughs) every way that you guys help spread the word about Creative Freedom matters to us. We're still one of the fastest growing shows for creative entrepreneurs because of your help. So don't stop now. Keep it coming. Thank you so much. 
And as I mentioned earlier, next time we're digging into sustainable marketing strategies and how to build one that works for you. So if you feel like you're living on the content hamster wheel and you're just running to catch yourself, then I hope you'll join us. And until then, for more inspiration and education to help you end the hustle and own your dreams without selling your soul, come see what's shaking over at lisarobinyoung.com. You know you want to.